Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series, Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller, The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series, Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events, and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's all streaming now on Hulu. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you about our brand new Fox Sports app and website, foxsports.com. Reimagine for the modern sports fan. Go ahead, download the new app right now. You don't even have to pause this episode. Every day on the new app and website, you'll see the top stories in sports, plus a rich world of written content, videos, social media, and analytics to give you a 360-degree view of the most important stories of the day. Streaming live TV has never been so easy or elegant. Every Fox Sports game, including all pregame and postgame shows, are just one click away. For the extra invested fan, we also go deep with real-time wagering lines, trending prop bets, win probability, and key player projections. Download the new Fox Sports app or visit www.foxsports.com now. Let's start the show. Welcome to a special year-end edition of Club Shay Shay. Since launching this podcast in September, I've been able to sit down with several talented athletes, musicians, inspirational guests for a drink and conversation. This episode featured the best segments of those discussions from Isaiah Thomas's reaction to MJ's comment in The Last Dance, Snoop Dogg's top five Lakers of all time. You'll hear all the noteworthy stories and takes from Club Shay Shay. Thanks for listening to Club Shay Shay in 2020. I hope you enjoyed this look back at the podcast's best moments of the year. See you in 2021. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Snoop, we look at it, and 2020 got off to a terrible start because we we got some news on a Sunday the last Sunday in January that the beloved Kobe Bryant had tragically lost his life in a helicopter accident. Where were you when you got the news and what, what went through your mind? I was in a hotel room somewhere. And um, when I got the news, I'm like, man, this ain't, I ain't trying to hear that. You know, we naturally was trying to throw it out. Like this ain't true. Nah, right. I don't see it. I don't believe it. And it ain't true. And then it started like coming on my timeline and I turned the TV on and they started showing the, the, the debris and all of the, like the stuff that I didn't want to see. And then they, then they went from, you know, him to his daughter. And that's when I was like, Oh my God, like that, that broke me in half. Like just to hear that, you know what I'm saying? That just broke me all the way in half and I couldn't even move for a minute. I was stuck because you just think about what he was doing and what he was accomplishing and how him and his daughter was showing up everywhere and how he was speaking out for the 
women basketball. He was doing so good with his life after basketball. I live right an exit away. I mean, literally, I can see the area where from my house. If I stand on my roof, I can see further enough, I can see almost in the vicinity of where Kobe crashed at wow. from my house. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something crazy. That morning, you know, we, we were in the process of building our new home, but we were still at our house, our, our old house, which is five, six blocks away. Mm -hmm. So we woke up that morning, had plans to come over to the new house and talk to the concrete guy about the driveway. Mm -hmm. So we wake up in the morning, and I said, God damn. I said, baby, I don't think I've ever seen it this foggy in my life. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a weird, like, I don't know what it is, man, but it was a weird, eerie kind of like fogginess outside. Mm -hmm. It was that bad. It right. was that bad, Shannon. I was like, God dang, it's, it's cloudy. It's, it's foggy outside. And my wife said, wow, yeah. Because we live, our old house is on a hill, and we could see right. the, the mountains. Right. We, we see the right. mountains, all the mountains. And we couldn't see nothing. You couldn't see anything. nothing. You couldn't see nothing. I was like, I can't even see the mountains at all. I can only see four rows of houses, blocks. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see nothing else past that. Right. When we come over here to meet the concrete guy, we're standing in the driveway, and we're talking. And I'm like, you know, so how are we going to do this? And all of a sudden we heard, right? And we, we all looked around like, what is that? It was a helicopter flew over our house. And Shannon, I'm going to tell you something. It was flying so low and it was so loud. And all I could say was, man, that helicopter is loud. And we saw it go over us. We was like, damn, right? So this is crazy. So we leave the concrete guy. You're talking about this time span is like 15 minutes. We leave 10, 15 minutes. We leave uh, and go to Rouse, the shopping center. By the time we parked, right? This is like, like two blocks away, the Rouse. Go around the corner. And and uh, I sat in the car. And then my, my wife went, went in Rouse. So when she walked out the car, my buddy Shannon, you know Shannon Smith, played basketball. Yeah. Shannon Smith. So Shannon texted me and said, hey, I just heard... Something that came across the news saying that uh, Kobe's helicopter crashed. I'm like, yo, my heart jumped out my chest, man. I said, yo, yo, and my wife is still in the store. So I got out the car and stood in the parking lot. Like, I'm looking around like, did anybody else know what the fuck just happened? I'm looking around and this one dude came by with a shopping cart. He had a, I think he had a Lakers jersey on. He said, yo, man, did you hear? I, I think I just heard on my little earpiece that someone said uh, it was a helicopter crash and I think Kobe was on it. I'm like, holy shit, man. All I could think about was, was that his helicopter or was that someone going to the site? Right. Because it was, it was so foggy. It was so foggy. Like, this helicopter was literally, I mean, it was, it was flying low enough where it's almost like they were trying to see where it was right. going. And you right. can't see when you're up there. You you can right. only see you you when you can see, you can see. You know what I mean? Right. You can't. Right. And I was like, and I was just going by the timeline. I said, man, I wonder was that someone rushing to their aid? Right. Or, I, I didn't know. I didn't know because all I know was it was 
it was almost surprising how loud and low it was. You know, because they don't normally fly that low. Right. And you only fly that low if you're trying to see. Right. It, it was that far, Shannon. Right. And it gave me a, it hurt me, man. I was like, yo. And once I heard, and I knew, I knew, I knew exactly the area. Once they said this, the, the exit, I said, oh, baby, it's right here. It's like right there. This happened. Right. And, and, and I'm weird, man. There's people who want to go down there. I said, man, nah, I can't. I can't look at pain like that because I know it's a terrible thing that happened, man. And this is an icon of, of Los Angeles, man. This yep. is respect this man's, you know, his daughter's on the flight. It's other friends and family, man. It's right. like respect what happened. You know what I mean? Right. Just don't go down there and make it a spectacle. Right. And the last thing I would want to do is go down there and, you know, stand in there. And all of a sudden, people recognize you. And, they, and then... It, it, it goes away from that to let me get a picture with you. Or, right, autograph. And yeah. I, I wouldn't want to go down there and take the, you know, these got, people got a job to do and try to rescue people or whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. And you can't be that insensitive right. and, and get in the way or, you know, and I live, I mean, literally, I could I could ride my bike there. It's that close. Right. It, it, it was terrible, man. So this is big for LA. This is what needed to be done, they needed to win this to complete the story. Chris, I hate to bring bring this up, but um, January twenty second, two thousand and six, you happen to be on that team in which uh, Kobe rest your soul again. Yeah, dropped eighty one. <laughs> Everybody talks about Jalen Rose, and you kind of get and you don't ever mention it. So you've done a great job of like, hey, hey, nobody doesn't anyone remember that I was on that squad. So. I ain't gonna bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it up a couple times, you know, just a couple times, not a lot. I, it's more like a trivia thing, and then people say, "Oh, that is you." Oh, you can watch the game and maybe not even know it's me because I look a little different. I was pretty right. young; I think I was like twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two, twenty-three at the time. Yeah, that was uh, that was embarrassing, man. So, what do you what what do you, what do you remember about that game? And then when he got it going, did you ever think he would get to that plateau? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so, like, all I remember, I just, like, I remember halftime. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know, but he scored 55 points in the second half. Right. That's like the stat that's like, that's the staggering. That, that's stat. what swept up under the rug. They think, you know what I mean? They think it was like, okay, 40, 40. Nah, yeah, 55. You know, <laughs> I just remember being, we were up. We weren't a very good team at the but time. But you were up big on him. We you were up big. We were up big. about 14, 16 yes. points. And on the roll, we're feeling great. He's got 26 points, right? So I'm like, ah, you know, hey, Kobe can have 50. Don't matter. As long <laughs> as we win by, you know, man, I just remember he came out. It's like he couldn't miss. It, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like uh, you just start watching him play because he started doing stuff you never see anybody do. Nobody was pulling up for threes. Steph Curry started pulling up for threes again. Nobody saw that back then. He was pulling right. up from that far. You right. know, and, and the game, the second half just started. It just started the second half. He just come out, shoot it. Bop, bop, bop. Okay, he, he hits like four threes in a row, if I remember correctly. And that's like 12 points. And then then he just started hitting everything. And we were bad defensively already. So right. it wasn't like there was a bunch of resistance. So it was like 
it was that perfect storm of he hit every three, he hit every shot, and he shot a lot of free throws. Right. <laughs> so it was really the perfect storm. Oh, it was the perfect storm, man. He he gave it to us, man. And that was uh that was a tough one, man. That was and it was kind of like I just remember running back and forth, just like, yo, this can't be real. You kind of get stuck in a dream almost, right. you know, like, can we stop this? I don't know. He he just hit this fade away from over there. I, <laughs> I've never seen that before. You just kind of get like, no way. Bop, like, God dang, this dude is killing. So the horn goes up, the horn goes off and you look and you look up and it says <laughs> Kobe, and he has 81. And, and did you like, is that a misprint? Ain't no way this man had 81 I, points in bigger. Hey, Shannon, I didn't even have to look. I just walked off. I knew I knew what he had. <laughs> His last two, free throw, free throw, and then they took him out. And I said, man, let's just get off the court. Let's just get out of here as quickly as possible. Will this debate about who's the GOAT ever end between LeBron and Jordan? Or who's your GOAT? How, how, do, we, how do we determine that? What's the well, determine we're never going to be able to determine it. That's why we got to keep talking about it. Because you never can go back into that era and be like, yo, this is what I'm going to do. It's what people did in those eras. Right. You know what? It's who you grow up on. I mean, to do the stuff that LeBron does, nobody been that big and strong. It's like saying, okay, Carl Malone, I need you to go out there and play point. That ain't going to never happen. <laughs> they don't have the skills like that. It's the same thing. Magic, you big, but you ain't 260 like LeBron, and you ain't jumping like that. Now, as far as that player built like that, he's a monster. But the greatest of all time is how do you measure that? You measure that by your victories and what you did in those victories. I ain't talking about you got 12 rings and you've been on five different teams. I'm talking about a dude who went to the finals who was the main guy six times in a row. And you can't if you can't beat that... When you have losses on your on your on your record, you can't be the greatest of all time. That dude ain't got no losses in the finals. So it's always gonna be Michael Jordan until my boys succeed that, which is gonna happen. Well, first of all, you can't just say it's all about the finals, Labar, because they did play finals in the seasons that he didn't go to the finals. What about that? Well, like I said, the finals, if you don't get there, you're off the hook. Well, you're not, you're not off the hook. So, in other words, see what you you're did. Off the hook if you don't go to the final, but when you go to the finals, you got to lose one. No, no. Championships going at it. All the, best years. The, East, the best from the West. You got to lose one. Nobody lose not one. He ain't beat nobody. Well, you can call nobody if you want to. Whoever out there, I see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you you play a little basketball, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. I think the air, let me say this, okay? Nah, that, <laughs> I'm going to give you the break now. Okay. Okay. I love LeBron, right? Yeah. But one thing about Michael Jordan, he going to come out there every night to try to kill you. Every night. Right. LeBron be seeming like he's kind of playing kind of nonchalant sometimes, which I don't like. But Michael, I mean LeBron James. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose. If they played against each other, LeBron James too is too big and strong and too fast. But if I had to choose one, I'm gonna choose Michael Jordan because the reason why is because I, I, I gotta go with somebody that's gonna go out there and give it their all every night.
Well, maybe I'll, LeBron, maybe LeBron is giving it his all. He just making it look easy, making it no, look he's not. nonchalant. No, he's not. Would you make? Hold on, hold on, Floyd. That's no, what people said about you. You made it look so easy that you make it seem like you wasn't even trying, like you were fighting bums. No, it's not that because I, I told him uh, there's a difference. There's a difference between being talented and God gifted. Right. You know, I'm God gifted. So at the end of the day, this is the reason why. Every time Mike go out there, every time LeBron, when the clock is ticking, LeBron don't supposed to pass it. He's supposed to shoot it. And that's no. The you got to make the right play. Guess what? What? LeBron James is selling shoes. Not because he's passing the ball, because he's going for the because because he's supposed to go for the kill. Man, look here. The, the uh, every see Floyd. This is what see. This is where you and I and a lot of people disagree. Okay, I believe it. We, we 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 gonna we gonna agree to disagree. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk about this. Come on. Okay, I want because I believe if you make the right play, the right play. If I okay. So if I could pass the ball to a guy, you remember that double nickel game? Michael Jordan, I think it was like five or six days after he came back out of retirement. He had a double nickel game. He had it going. But the game-winning shot came on a pass from Michael. And Will I mean, would do I mean, I, I, just see, I just see Michael Jordan pass it to Steve Kirk. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying LeBron got to take every shot. Yeah. I ain't saying he got to be a Kobe Bryant. I ain't saying he got to take every shot. But it's, it's certain. I mean... I, 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 I like to see. I'd rather for him to uh, 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 drop. Even if you ain't, if you don't feel like you're gonna make it, at least uh, attack the basket. At least, because we know you super strong. Right. But um. But I, I mean, it, that's just me. I got the killer instinct in me. <laughs> if LeBron was hanging around me, if LeBron, LeBron, you supposed to be hanging around me from the beginning. If you hanging around <laughs> me from the beginning. Man, your mentality be totally different. You believe you, so? You believe you rubbed up on him? If 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 he been with me, I, his mentality just be totally different. I, I I I your mental be when you get with me. When an athlete get with me, your mental is just totally different. Even like um, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. When Isaiah Thomas was playing when he was when he was communicating with me every day. He's hanging with me every day. He got the starting job in the NBA, and he went to the All Star game. Right. Once he stopped kicking it with me and hanging with me and listening to me, things kind of changed. That's why you got to stick with me. You had great success. Um, you go to the playoffs. You play. I think you played LeBron twice in your in your three year run in the, when you made the playoffs, right? I I played him one healthy one and then a half a hurt one. Okay, and that was kind of like his coming out party mm -hmm. because those that 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 series he just. He just goes off. Yeah. Did you, obviously, you were in the league when he got drafted. Did you ever think, watching him then, that he would be where he is now? Yes. Um, I remember I made a comment to one of my teammates, and I said, um, this is 2000, I think it was Six. like 2004 or five yep. season. Okay. I said, he's going to go down as top three greatest of all time and never taps into his real, real ability. As I said, because he doesn't have to. That's how dominant this man is going to be, that he's never going to have to tap into 100% of what is in that body. 
because I watched something that I didn't see. And it came from an 18, 19 year old kid. As I wrote it on my Instagram where I'm at the house, we're, we're playing cards and him and Savannah, they're sitting there. You know, we, you got uh, Richie, you know, all them. Right. Same crew he has, same, same, same team. Randy. Mav and all the same team. And he's sitting there just like, just watching sports. Like, I mean, when I say what detail, like watching, knowing everything, knowing that this, this girl's soccer, who's the best player, who should win. Like, it was like a, I'm, I'm like playing cards, but watching. Mm-hmm. But, and, and it was a computer. It was a computer. And then the following year when we was playing them in the playoffs, went over there. Because, you know, it's chess now. I want to I see what, what's going on. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to peek under the hood. Y'all playing cards? Let's play some cards. Right. You know, they over there breaking down plays, you know, this, that, you know, got the film. I'm watching, I'm watching our plays. Uh, <laughs> damn, man. Motherfuckers know everything over here, huh? <laughs> man. <laughs> I guess, okay, I can see what's going on. And, and I'm watching this man just study, 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 understanding. So what everybody's hearing now, I knew then that, yo, he knows everything that's going on on that court. He knows where everyone's supposed to be. He knows, he knows if the play is real, if the play is fake. He knows exactly what is expired all through that game. Yeah, why do you think it's so hard for the older guard to give this man the credit that he deserves? I mean, you see so many people where he's not top 10 or he's not this and he did this, he lost, you know. It's always, no matter what he does, it always goes back to, well, but he couldn't have played in my generation or he couldn't have done this or everybody's afraid of LeBron. Instead of saying, the man is great, he'd be great in any generation because I don't know how many in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, 6'9", 269-pound uh, guys could handle the ball, could do what he could do. Because everyone takes evolution out of it. No one wants to believe. <laughs> everyone believed that their era was the golden era. Like, yep. it's, you know, if, if, if you go down the line, look at rap. They don't like the new wave. True. The, the wave before that, they didn't like that wave. That's just, you know, uh, Grandmaster Flex. He didn't like the Jay-Z era. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's the competitiveness of it. You know, even though it's like, well, Dennis Rodman, I mean, you was a great defensive player. You did this, but you were, you were 6'7", 210. Right. Bro, those are point guards now. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're faster. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that's just how – but, you, I mean, you're going to have your, your guys that, that no matter where you drop them at, you drop Magic Johnson in, he's still, he's still a 6'9 point guard that's still not in this era. <laughs> you know, so you're going to – you still got your Michael Jordan. That, right. That, you, you know, so you got guys who can go through from older eras into – but there's some guys who shouldn't be talking. Right. Like, you know, you, you, you're 6'4", and you was a, a, a sinner. Let that, let that go. Let that dream go. You know, so I just think that they can't accept the fact that, no, it's a different game. But today, we're 100 times more skilled because of rule change, because of evolution, than right. you guys were. That's just how it is. 
I've heard you on several occasions. He prays on LeBron James. Yeah. How impressive is what he's doing at the age of 35 and year 17 with all the miles, with all the minutes, with all the playoff games, with all the games under his belt. He's still playing as if he's the best player, which I do believe that he is still currently the best player in the NBA. How is he doing this? We have never seen in the NBA a player like LeBron James. And he breaks a record every single night just to remind you that you've never seen this before. Right. Now, some people will some people will have a record and they're dominating one category. But this dude is dominating. He's in the top 10, Shannon, in in, in every category. <laughs> that ain't that's never happened. Right. In 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 from the guard position or the wing position in our sport. Right. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be hard for people to look back 10 years from now and say he wasn't the best because you can have your emotional best. Right. Right. But what this guy's doing and what he's been doing, I, I'll put it to you this way. Um, in football, right? Remember yeah. when you first saw Bo Jackson? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay, and imagine if Bo Jackson would have stayed healthy mm -hmm. and still kept getting better. Right, well, that's LeBron James, and, and and there's never been a freak in football that's been similar, but they ain't never been a freak like Bo Jackson. No, well, no. we got a freak in basketball, and I ain't talking about the Greek one. I'm talking about the American, right? You know, and, Le and LeBron James, right? We have never seen this type of athlete body performance consistency from a guy this long. Just haven't seen it. Did you watch The Last Dance? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. I watched it with great fascination and I watched it with great disappointment. Because you heard a lot of the guys chime in and say, well, Isaiah did it to himself. And nobody wanted to play with Isaiah. But I've heard so many of these other players say, you don't have to be the best of friends if the common goal is about winning. Well, the common goal was about winning the gold medal. Well, if the common goal is about winning the gold medal, who cares if you're best friend with Isaiah? Hey, you know what? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just using what they say, Isaiah. I'm just using what they say. They say you do not have to be best friends with a teammate. You don't have to go out to dinner. We don't have to go to the movies. We ain't got to bring our wives and kids together. All we're trying to do is win a title. So you mean to tell me, even though you might not have liked Isaiah, you couldn't set that aside to win a gold medal. So now it matters if you get along. Whereas before you're telling me as long as you win a championship, because it's hard for me to believe. I know I played a team sport. Everybody on a 53-man roster ain't friends and they ain't friendly. So this notion that you need to be best of friends. Hold on, y'all ain't like y'all all hanging out. Oh, you know, we going overseas and so everybody's out every night together. I'm sure you're going to have your wife and kids. Y'all probably would have been touring Barcelona and doing your thing just like everybody else was doing their thing. I don't, that's, that's one of the problems that I have because I've followed the game for a long, long time, Isaiah. And I say, I don't care what y'all tell me. Isaiah was one of the 12 best players in the NBA at the time. 
Well, he ain't the all-time assist leader. I say John Stockton wasn't at that time either. He became that. I'm talking about at that moment when they're making that selection, Isaiah Thomas was one of the best players. And you can't convince me otherwise. His resume says so. But it, they let personal feelings get involved in this, Isaiah. Well, after watching Last Dance, it just, you know, and we, we won't dance around it here. Oh, well, don't dance around it then. Let's yeah. get to it. it. It seems like it was only one person that had a problem with it. Uh, right. And, and that was Jordan. Now, I didn't, at, at that time, I didn't realize, and even, even until I watched The Last Dance, I didn't realize that he felt the way he felt about me because again shannon i i had never had no no you know bad words with him or anything like right. that we we played you know his team won and my team won we went home they went home right uh, again we didn't have the internet and and as you can see what i saw what i saw in terms of the chicago bulls you know all nightlife wasn't as good as that <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so we were <laughs> You know, we weren't, you know, that that's not how we 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 and I got down, you know. Right. So most of and when I look at that dream team, right, I had I mean we 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 knew each other, but the only person that I really knew on the dream team was right. magic and right. in terms of a personal relationship. Because again, you know, I was in school, you know, I was I was married, I was doing my thing, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't I wasn't hanging out like trying to be friends and, and all that stuff. Right. So there's nothing. So and so you believe, you believe, I mean, after watching that, that the one guy that had a problem with you was the reason that you weren't on the team. I'm just going by what he said. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's Charlotte Wilder here to tell you about my new podcast with Mark Titus called The People Sports Podcast. It comes out every Thursday, and Mark and I take one of the big stories of the week, and then we go off on tangents you never saw coming. This might mean that we start talking about the Dodgers winning the World Series and end up wondering if Knicks fans deserve happiness, or begin with LeBron's greatness and end up drafting our ultimate beer league softball team made up of old athletes. Whatever it is, the only rule of the show is that it has to be fun and funny, because these days we can all use as many laughs as we can get. So check it out wherever you get your podcasts and come down weird sports rabbit holes with us. We can't wait to have you.
why do you think the George Floyd murder hit us so different? Because there was Eric Garner, there was Philando Castile, there was Alton Sterling, there was Walter Scott, there was Sandra Bland, there was Tamira Rice, there was uh, Trayvon Martin. There have been so many. Why did this resonate so much, not only in the black community, but seem to grip America? Well, um, you know, we as a people never accepted slavery. Correct. We, we never went for that. You know, I don't care what they tell you. That was never cool with us, and we were never down with it. We tolerated and, it. We lived under it, but we didn't accept it. No, we had to, you know, to survive. Right. And so when, when one, one of us would get out of hand, they would pull everybody around to watch the discipline take place, and we've seen that in movies countless of times. Correct. This was a replay of that. Um, seeing this man uh, um, begging for his life, even to his mama. Um, and so to have a man on top of him with his hand in his pocket looking right at the camera, let us all know that our life means nothing. And that's unacceptable in 2020. Uh, it was unacceptable back then, but we couldn't do nothing about it. Now we can do something about it, and we're not going for it. And, you know, I always said the country has got to change or we will change it. And that's what's happening right now. We're in the process of changing it, and um, it's going to happen. And uh, so, you know, that's why now is the time. Why is it so hard? for those outside of our communities to hear our cries, to, to see us as human, not less than? Why is it so hard for people to accept that there's something wrong in America and we want changes? Why is it so hard for them to see that? Well, I mean, it's not happening to them. Um, you know, usually people are really concerned about their own situation, their own family. Um, it's not easy for the average white American today. So he maybe feels or she maybe feels like, hey, this is part of it. You know, this is part of, of the struggle of uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But if they realize we've never even had a pair of boots to pull ourselves up by, so right. to speak, as a, as a community, and even when we tried to prosper, it was stomped out in, uh, you know, in different places across the country like Tulsa and, you know, and, and Rosewood. other Rosewood, other communities that, that we know about and hear about and the ones that we haven't heard about. Um, so, you know, our progress is sabotaged in a lot of ways. It's uh, systematically um, fixed where, you know, that's why they're so surprised when one of us get through and get ahead. Right. And, and don't count me and you. We, we, we go through the path that's of least resistance, which is entertainment and sports. Right. Um, you know, we got to look at, you know, how many people, you know, are not Ice Cube and Shannon Sharp, and how can they get through? So, um, you know, just to, to, to end that, 
I just think it's people just look at their own situations and if it's not happening to them, it's hard for them to understand. Doc, what role does the athlete play? And I commend any athlete that's willing to use their platform and speak up, but that's not what they signed up for. Guys that went into civil service, guys that went into to be a politician, the Chuck Schumer, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio, Tim Scott, that's what you signed up for. But it seems to me it's always been the athlete that's normally been at the forefront of these movements. Especially ours, African-American people. I mean, other athletes have been uh, credible and on the front lines, but for black people, it's because when we didn't have black politicians, we had black musicians and we had black athletes. Mm -hmm. Before we had William Dawson or Adam Clayton Powell, we had Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong. Mm -hmm. right? Count Basie. Count Basie. And so we were th those athletes, right? We had Joe Lewis. We didn't have no United States Senator in the Senate when Joe Lewis was fighting. Jackie Robinson was playing. But, but Jackie Robinson was a senator uh, and, and, and Joe Lewis was uh, an ambassador and a congressperson, if you will, for our interests, for the black community. So they were our mouthpieces. They were our vocal articulate spokespeople to try to defend us, to try to stand up and speak for us. So when Sam Cooke or, or Aretha Franklin or you know Ray Charles came along, even as we were gaining a burgeoning political power, they were the voice pieces because white people admired them and they were able to seize the authority to articulate our viewpoints and represent our interests because white people loved and admired them. So that's why we've turned to them. Even after we've gotten political representation, we still depend upon conscientious you know, uh, entertainers and athletes to articulate our noble ideals and aspirations. Doc, you know what I noticed? Is that if a black man or woman becomes successful and they speak about, speak out against inequality or racial and, and social injustice and, and, and things of systemic racism, they like, uh, you made it, why are you complaining? But when whites, our counterparts, try to help their community, they never say, well, why are you complaining? If Jeff Bezos were to give $2 billion to help causes for his community, nobody would say a word. But if LeBron James speaks out, shut up and dribble, stick to basketball, stick to sports, why do you care? Trade places. What is that about? I mean, it's about white supremacy. It's about white privilege. It's about... Uh, failing to understand white complicity. It's about refusing to acknowledge the double standard. And it's uh, uh, again, it's failing to acknowledge that those athletes had to speak up and out in the past in order for any interests of black people to be expressed or articulated. And so, yeah, you're right. Be grateful. Why is Michelle Obama mad? This country gave you the ability to make a living. It gave you one too. It gave you ability to steal my stuff. It gave you ability to loot and rob and be you know thieves of black opportunity and upward mobility so yeah you're right they never asked them that question if they help their neighborhoods oh they're being look despite the fact that they're rich they're reaching back despite the fact that they have tremendous money they're speaking out look when when donald trump was speaking up and speaking out nobody said he's a billionaire why is he talking about the working class white people they said thank god we finally got somebody speaking for us so a white billionaire who really in truth doesn't give a darn, a flying flip about poor white people is seen as their hero, but LeBron James can't even speak up for his people 
and be in, and be seen as a person who identifies uh, with his people. That's the double standard that continues to prevail in this country. So you believe the athlete is really important in this movement for for equality and injustice. And you, LeBron has has his a uh, uh, referendum that like he's trying to register people to get to vote and get people to vote and understand your vote is that your vote matter? Because for the longest time, Doc, I was one of those. My vote doesn't matter. It does matter because when you get five, six, seven million people saying my vote matters, well, that's just not one vote. Vote that's five or six million people voting, and it does matter. It does matter big time. And God bless you. And I'm glad you changed your mind. That's that, that, that's the kind of great man you are. You can admit that you were wrong. Yes. Die for that vote. People shed blood for that vote. People got hit in the face for that vote. John Lewis got beat down for that vote. So yeah, let's let's be real here. Who are the three guys probably in the conversation for the GOAT? Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, right? Mm -hmm. I know who your GOAT is. Yeah. But when you when you put social conscience on the platform, when you put outspokenness like that, and I love Jordan and Kobe. That's my – Kobe, you know my feeling about Kobe. Yeah, Kobe, your guy. Like this. <laughs> if you're going to put it all together – LeBron had been the goat. LeBron the stallion. He the horse. He the pig, the cow, the dog. He the farm. I mean, dog. It ain't even no comparison for what that man has done. And so, you know, the comparison to anybody when standing up against him is, to me, feeble. And so, I mean, Jabbar was great. Jim Brown was great. But to have that peak performance, 35 years old, 17 years in the league, still playing like you five years in, still in incredible shape, still sh should be the MVP. I don't care what nobody says. Uh, still playing the greatest. Uh, incredible. And you love black people without apology or excuse. Bruh, there's nobody near you. And so I think we need him. When LeBron sat down and said this, I don't know. Black people are scared. Black women, black men, black kids. He said, we're terrified. We don't know if that guy got up on the right side of the bed, the wrong side of the bed, that cop. We don't know if that cop had a horrible argument with his kid and went out the house steaming. He said, or if the cop basically said, this is the day I'm going in one of their lives. He said, this is, this is how it feels. Now, LeBron ain't got no access to these people. He don't know. Right. His point is, this is what it feels like to us. Right. When the greatest athlete on the globe, right, along with Serena, when the greatest athlete on the globe says that and identifies with black people saying we're terrified and scared, do you know what that does to articulate our meaning? A politician can't say it that way. Right. I don't care who, I don't care what politician you are. That LeBron James, who ain't got no office, ain't nobody put him in office. I'm going to flip your argument. Ain't nobody, he ain't went to the polls. The polls were in the people who love him because of what he did. The affirmation of him as an extraordinary figure. It's even purer, right? He didn't have to run no campaign. He showed up and did what he did, and he's won the hearts of the masses. That's remarkable. So yeah, when you when Joe Lewis was fighting Max Schmeling in the ring in the 40s, late 30s, early 40s, he's fighting fascism. He's fighting Nazism. 
not just Nazism, I'm sorry, not just another white guy who's from Germany. It's two different systems, democracy versus Nazism on display there. These black athletes have been representative, not only of their people, but of their nation in a way that the nation didn't deserve. Because when we went to fight in foreign wars and came back in our uniforms, they lynched us. They killed us, they murdered us. So yeah, a LeBron James, a Carmelo Anthony, a Chris Paul, um, all of the WNBA, my God, a Candace Parker, Diane Taurasi. When you think about all of them, as great as the men have been, I mean, LeBron will stand up above anybody, but right under her, him, Maya Moore, and all those great black athletes in the WNBA, they've been ahead of this game. They, they, they got gunshot wounds where Blake was shot in the exact space. And his name on the front of their jersey, they, they way beyond what the guys collectively are doing. But I'm loving what the guys are doing as well. So, yes, to answer your question, we still need them out there. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if I said, okay, name the five greatest baseball players of all time, any era, pitchers included. Okay, you know what? Let's leave pitchers out. I, I don't really care. All they do is bad. Da, da, da. Give me your five best, ba the five greatest baseball players. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson, Ricky Henderson, And one guy, Bob Gibson, as a pitcher. That's a very, I mean, I can, uh, Willie Mays, I understand. Hank, got you. I'm surprised you said Ricky. The all-time uh, uh, run leader? He was, hey, it, look, he was different. I mean, uh, I heard a story about Ricky, and it, it makes me laugh because I can just imagine it had I been there to actually witness some of the things that I've heard, and I just, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm crying laughing. Yeah, my dad played with him for a few <laughs> years, so yeah, some of those stories are true. <laughs> you got Jackie Robinson for what he did. Uh, yes, number one, you know, rightfully so. I mean, if it wasn't for him, you know, uh, and what's funny is, out of all the pictures in my house, he's the one that's prominently displayed in my office. Right. Uh, because of what he did and what he means to so many people uh, of color. And I think people, you know, and, and not so much, I mean, what he did for us as people, uh, black people, but he allowed to let other countries come here and, and play this game. Mm -hmm. And I know it's different in bat football because you don't see very many Europeans. And, 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 no, uh, it's basically but, an American know, for sport. Us, <clears throat> right. For us, you know, uh, you know, we got guys from South Africa, you know, yeah. Japan, you know, Korea, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot so of Dominican it, guys. You got Cubans. Mm -hmm. You got South Korea. But without him, who knows? And, and my thing is, if he didn't do it, when would be the next Jackie Robinson? Right. It, you know, it may have been after my dad might have played. So I may have not got the opportunity. And yet you had to have the right temperament because the things that were said, the things that were done – you had to write. Everybody couldn't be. Everybody couldn't be Jackie Robinson Griffin. No, no, no. And I, I say that all the time. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I could be him. I got to say something. <clears throat> exactly. 
you, you know, had to but, bite your you tongue know, a lot. Right. But I got a chance to, to, to sit there and talk to Rachel and Sharon and, and, you know, uh, and that's why part of, you know, my shoe collection does have a Jackie Robinson shoe. Right. Because of what he did. And, and I got one coming out next year. I can't show it to you, but I got one coming out. Well, well, I just, I'll just wait on. I, I, hopefully, I'll, I'll get the uh, the sneaker oh, no, version. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's a sneaker version. Okay. Well, okay. Because I, I, I don't play no more. I can't be out here. So <laughs> I, and, and, my wife ain't gonna let me go on this towel on my spikes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Since you you say you can't transport, you can't put LeBron back in the '80s. You can't bring Jordan to the 2000s. Okay, give me your all-time starting five then. Any era, all-time starting five. All-time starting five. You know, you got Mike, you got uh, Johnson, you got uh, Shaquille. Uh, who else? Oh, you got to have you got to have a shooter. So um, I got to put Oscar, Oscar Robinson out there. And then you got LeBron. So you going Jordan, Magic, Shaq, LeBron, Oscar Robinson. Yes. That ain't a bad starting five. I'm starting to find them boys all can do their thing, and you got a seven-footer that can run with you, most powerful in the NBA ever. Okay. I want you to create – I want LeBar Ball, since he's good at building things and creating things, he's a great entrepreneur. Okay. I'm going to give you some, some characteristics, and I want you to build a perfect – the perfect basketball NBA player. So if I say, like, shooting, I'm going to say – you say Steph. So, Okay. okay. Passing. Magic. Handles. Ooh, that's, that's AI. Athleticism. LeBron. Mentality. Shoot. Uh, shoot, you know who that is. That's goddamn Jordan. Strength. Shaq. Clutchness. Mike. Speed. Speed. I'm going with Iverson. I wasn't got two of those things in there. So, yes, so shooting, so shooting is Steph hands down. Do we not even hands down, Steph? Would you say uh, Steph revolutionized the game? No, I ain't gonna say he revolutionized games. Got a lot of guys shooting from far distance and stuff like that. But nobody was shooting like he was with the consistency. You, the, 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 the logo three. No, no, it's not even about the consistency because this consistency is there. They only showing the ones he really make. Uh, for Mark Jackson to give him the leeway to shoot anywhere, that's allowed him. My boys were shooting further than him. <laughs> Easy. Them layups, you know, but who allows you to do that? You know, if you're doing it in these games, what people were saying, oh, oh, the boys are shooting all over the place. Yeah, we was doing that. And when they used to ask us about the Chino Hills team, man, you guys remind us of the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. I say, I don't know how. We play faster than them. We scoring 100 points in damn near 30-something minutes. They got 48 minutes and getting 120. Give me 48 minutes. We go to 200. You've always been a Laker fan. Give me your, give me your top five Lakers. So, Because you go back to Showtime Lakers. So you yeah. saw some of the great, obviously, you know, Will and Elgin and, and Jerry, you know, and, but you can add them. Give me your top five Lakers of all time in order. Not just, just name five. I need the top five in order. Okay. We're going to go number five. We're going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Shaq. Okay. Shaq at five. Shaq at five. At four, Wilt is still. Okay. 
game. Quit playing. We big right now. We real big. Real, real big. Then okay. at, the, at the three, watch this. Kareem Abdul. Oh, oh, no. No, you didn't. No, you didn't put the captain at three. I got him at the three. And at the two. Uh-oh. This is it. Drum roll. The number two. The number two Laker of all time is? Kobe. Jelly Bean Bryant. Okay, okay. It only leaves one slot, baby. It only one. The Magic Man. Magic, baby. <laughs> That's where I got all my game from. I grew up playing like Magic. Passing the ball, looking out like being a, a, a unselfish player. Like watching Magic in the 80s made you want to get the ball to the best player on the team. It made you want to run up and down the flow. It made you want to like be a real flow general and, you know, run a team. You know what I'm saying? So to me, he went to the most championships. He had the hardest road to get to the championship. And I always say this. I watched him win a national championship at Michigan State mm -hmm. against Larry Bird. The next year, he came to the Lakers. Kareem broke his ankle. We was against Dr. J. This one, Dr. J was the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Dr. J, Dale Dawkins, Caldwell uh, Jones, Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew yeah. Tony, they were loaded. Mm -hmm. Magic say, hold on, Kareem, don't trip. We up three games to two in Philly. If we lose, it's going to be 3-3, three, three, and we probably going to lose game seven. I'm going to play center. Watch out. Doop. Second quarter, I'm going to play forward. Boop. Third quarter, I'm going to play the two-guard. Fourth quarter, I'm going to run the point and run these punks up out here so we can get this championship and get on back home to the cap. Wow. At 20 years old. He was, hey, he was special. People, yeah. The Dockers, you good, but until you win a championship at 20 years old on the come out, you ain't magic. Nah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. This is 80. Give me your Mount Rushmore boxers. I, it doesn't have to be all heavyweights. It doesn't have to be middleweights, this and that. Give me your Mount Rushmore. You get four boxes, Roy. You get four. Four? I'm four. taking me out of it, okay? I'm going to say myself because I'll okay. be at the top of my I'll be at the top of my Rushmore. So I'm going to take me out of it. Okay. I'm put Muhammad Ali at the top. Okay. I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to probably put Shuey Robinson second. Okay. I'm probably put Salvador Sanchez third. Okay. And I'm probably and I'm probably gonna stop there because after that I can take Leonard, Duran, uh Chavez, Hagler. Uh, I, I go into kind of way after that. But them top three, that's my top three. I can take in them after that, but them, them my top three. What would you say is the golden era of boxing? The 70s. Why? And the 70s, we ourselves the golden era of boxing because everybody in the heavyweight division. If they were still around, you probably take the top ten uh, in the 70s and in, insert them, each one of them in today's time, and each one would be heavyweight champ right now today still. Because that's how doable, that's how rugged, that's how well gifted in boxing most of those guys was. Everybody in the top ten back in that time was heavyweight champion quality or character type of fighter. So you're looking at Ali, Ken Norton, George Foreman, uh, Larry Holmes, Joe uh, George, George uh, Frazier. Look, pick what you want to pick. Pick what you, I mean, one of the greatest fighters of all time that people need to go look at. And I said two. I watch a few fights that I will watch over and over. Like I watch Hearns all the time. I watch uh, Lynn Duran a lot. I watch uh, Hagler Hearns. I watch Hagler Leonard. But one of the best 
some of the best fights because that's some of them but the list goes on and on but to really get a good appreciation of boxing appreciation of boxing you always have to go back and watch george foreman versus ron lyle one of the best heavyweight fights ever then one of the heavyweight fights that also touched me a lot as an older kid as i was growing up in boxing i became a larry holmes fan after watching larry holmes fight ken norton because I know how hard of a time Ken Norton gave Ali every time he seen him. Every time. For, for Larry Holmes to come, for Larry Holmes to come and deal with that same thing and overcome it was really exceptional to me and it made me become a Larry Holmes fan. Larry Holmes was shooting that jab. Larry Holmes didn't use that jab as a range fighter. He was using it to do yeah. some damage. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If I were to say, okay, Mo, give me your, your top five hood classic movies of all time whether wow. you've been in them or not your top five top five okay all right so i'm a little biased with boys in the hood but okay uh, i'll go back to i don't know you may be too young too too young for this but cooley high was, I, was a i remember cooley high cooley high was a classic okay um you know what i have to say uh one of my favorites uh was dead presidents you know yes the yes. Brothers, they put it down with their president. Yep. Uh, man, love New Jack. Love New Jack City. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Friday was, was, is always going to be up there. Yes. You know, so I would have to, is that four or five? How many is that? That's five. That's five. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's yeah. hard because you leave, you leave house party out. Oh, yeah. Like you said, we, I go back. I go back to penitentiary. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. That's right. Right, right. It is. It is hard, you know. And, it, and I think think the thing is that I think it's the, the the thing that that most affects people. Like, like when I look back, you know, and in, in, in Cooley High, I really felt emotion just as watching that movie. Um, you know, House Party. I mean, Friday was funny. I love House Party too. You know, made right. me want to get up and dance. But you know, I really, I really enjoyed. Thinking back, Dead Presidents, uh, Lorenz Tate's a friend of yeah. mine, performance, and Alan and, and, and the Hughes brothers, I mean, they, they put together a, a really good piece. And Chris Tucker in that movie was, you know, he had a dramatic side to that movie. Right. So there were a lot, a lot of nice elements to that movie. Coach, you, uh, you get criticized because, you know, every time if you have an opinion and if it doesn't coincide with <clears throat> some other people's opinion, they say you're a hater. You had a ranking. You said that Brady was the sixth most difficult quarterback in NFL history to defend. Do you still agree with your ranking? And why do you say he was the sixth most difficult quarterback to defend? Well, I, first of all, I don't think you can rank across uh, generations anyway. Right. And so I said, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to go by statistics or whatever. I'm going to go by who was toughest on me. Right. So now I got to start. I'm never putting Tom Brady ahead of Peyton Manning. So the best he can be is two. Because <laughs> Peyton was my guy. So okay. the highest he could ever get is two. Correct. Then okay. I started thinking of, okay, who did who gave me real problems? John Elway, you could do everything right, have the perfect defense. He's going to move around and make something happen and kill you. And he killed me enough to say <laughs> he, he was difficult. Steve Young was the same way. Those mobile quarterbacks. So that's who I put ahead of Tom. Aaron Rodgers, John Elway, Steve Young, guys, guys who could move. Not to say Tom wasn't great. He is great. But that extra dimension meant right. something to me. So that's, that's why I would only put him at six. Just my opinion. 
now we look at, and you've mentioned the evolution of the mobile quarterback. Not only, look, these quarterbacks, when we say mobile coach, they're not looking to run the football. They're looking to still throw the football, and they can throw it on the move. They can throw it wrong foot. They can throw it rolling left. They can throw it rolling right. You look at Deshaun Watson. You look at Patrick Mahomes. You look at Aaron Rodgers. You look at Russell Wilson. I just saw Josh Allen last night, and he's playing unbelievable. When you look at these quarterbacks, what's been the biggest transformation? Why are these quarterbacks coming in and being able to play so well so early? I think it's coaches adapting rather than taking that rookie quarterback and saying, you got to learn all this stuff and you got to learn how to be a pocket passer and you've got to learn this and learn that. They're saying, no, let me take what this young man does and build on it. So I've got the RPOs in, in. I've got bootlegs in for them. And that's stuff that you ne never saw before and so now it's Russell Wilson and Deshaun creating and instead of the coach saying no 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 don't do that the coach is saying you know what this helps us and we'll put scramble drills in and when when Russell does this receivers you do that uh we'll put bootlegs in Josh Allen we're going to let you go and I, I think coaches have come out of their shell and they've let these guys be who they are coach are you surprised Patrick Mahomes is this good I mean I thought I, I saw him throw I saw him throw for over 700 yards against Oklahoma. But everybody throws for a bunch of yards in the Big 12. Are you surprised he's this? He's on a, he has a chance to be all-time generational trans, transcendent great, not just good. He can be great, great, great. Yeah, I am. And what amazes me about him is that 25 years old, his uh, concept and his processing of information and his control of the game, very few mistakes. Very few interceptions, very few bad checks. So add the, the, the great arm skills and all of that, but the mental capacity that he has at 25, that has amazed me. And you look at the weapon, and for Andy, and look, you think about it. They went to the playoffs. They won a division. They went to the playoffs, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and he moves up 17 spots to take yeah. Patrick Mahomes when he had a quarterback that went to the playoffs, but I think Andy envisioned in order. I got Tyreek, a guy that can take the top off. We've never seen anything like this since Bob Hayes. I got a guy in Travis Kelsey. In order for me to maximize that, I need a guy that can throw the ball over the top. Yep. Yep. They saw something special. I don't know why they saw it and everybody else didn't, but they saw something special in Patrick Mahomes and to put him in the lineup, to make that switch from a playoff quarterback, that takes a lot of guts. And they did it, and they knew they were going to the next level. And then to put stuff in for him, 55-yard corner routes, you know, things that we haven't seen before. <laughs> you'd get you People would think you're crazy for actually just putting that play in. Right. No, Patrick can do it. We're going to take advantage of what he can do. I, I think it's been amazing. When I tell people how we live in the the, the <laughs> thousand square foot cinder block home, yeah, hey, hey, Libby, yeah. Libby, wish you would stop telling that story she too. Does. By the way, she gives, she gives, she gets, Buck gets very upset when we yes. tell the story about the thousand square foot cinder block home with no mm -hmm. indoor plumbing, uh, a tin roof that you could actually lay on your back and you could see the sky from the bed. That's correct. And I told the story in my Hall of Fame speech, mm -hmm. but growing up in that environment, what 
Because when I also spend, you know, we tell when I tell people, I never spent the night at a friend's house. I've Correct. never spent the night at a family member's house, and people can't believe that. Correct. I, and that the, the first time I stayed away from home, I went to 4-H camp at at, uh, at Cherokee. I think yep. it was. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I think. then God, I was a senior. No, it was it was it was a Rock Eagle. Rocky, Rock Eagle. Yeah, you were, but I couldn't. You were, I couldn't, you were a member of the Cherokee tribe. I couldn't remember what it was because it was so long ago. But yeah, um, the thing is, is when you grow up that way, and that's the only way you know. You don't have anything to compare it to because, yeah, right. we saw our friends every day at school and some at church, but you had nothing to compare it to. So guess what? It was our norm. And our norm was, you know what? God, I, I, I wish the roof didn't leak. You know, I wish we didn't have to get up, you know, Monday through Sunday and, you know, herd hogs or pick tobacco or grind feed or, you know, I, I wish we didn't. But that's what we knew. and. You know, you and I used to talk all the time about the only thing we wanted to do was play football. And we knew we were going to never get the chance uh, to play football because we were always working. So mm -hmm. when you know that's all you know, there is no I'm going to make it better because you're going to make it better. How all you know is farming. So that was all we knew. Did you think when we were working the hours and I always use the term can't the can't and people like well, what does can't the can't mean? Can you explain you to people that's going to be watching this what can't the can't mean? Uh, you you see what you 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 working from the time you can't see when you get up until you can't see at night. It's it's dark to dark and it's it the job is never done. It's just you got to go home and get some sleep. It's not like, you know, it's a 9 to 5 or I finished my work, I'm going to get off early. We never got off early. There was no such thing as, you know what? We're finished picking this tobacco. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the rest of the day off. No, mm -hmm. that that never happened. So, but like I said, Shannon, you know, it, it's easy in hindsight to go back and say how tough we had it. And it's easy in hindsight to try and make our upbringing so much different from everyone else by going, you know, living in a house that didn't have running water rain you know looking at the sun we can lay in bed and watch the sunrise uh that kind of stuff you know what it did it, it it didn't make us stronger it just made us we were like if if it was to be we were gonna have to do it. and we were always like that from our our playing days is hey we were great teammates i'd like to think but if there's an opportunity to make a play coach put it on me because i can accept the success but i can also accept the failure if it doesn't go our way. And I think that's strictly because of how we were brought up. And I, I say this to, to people, and, and I used to say it to young people when I spoke more all the time. It ain't by accident that two guys from Glenville, Georgia, not only graduated from college, but made it to the, the NFL. That ain't by accident, but it's not by design either. I mean, I just think that, you know, and I tell people, you learn a lot about guys if you tell me how they were raised and tell me what their experiences are, I can tell you who they are and how we were raised. Uh, we had similar experiences from the time we left Glenville until the time you got into television. Our lives were pretty much mirror images of each other, even though we're, you know, we we're two, three years apart in age, but we're two years apart in athletics. So give yeah. the people a little backdrop of kind of some of the jobs you and I had. 
Well, well, we, we had a family. Remember, it was our grandmother, grandfather, me, you, and our sister, not to mention our Aunt Jane, our Aunt Shermerdine, our Aunt Gladys, and sometimes our Aunt Marinell living in that thousand-foot cinder block house, too. Correct. So it wasn't like there was a lot of room, but also, our job... Also Dietrich. Dietrich, my uh, our, our yeah. nephew, was there. So guess what? It, it wasn't like we had chores and we could finish our chores. We definitely had to go to school and church. Those two things were a must. Correct. We were at school. We were at church. But then there was the tobacco picking and the, uh, you know, planting my grandmother's garden. There's also the moving and the situating of the, the hogs that we had, grinding of the feed. So when hogs got out, it wasn't like, you know, hey, we got we lost a hog. Oh, well, we got to go search for it. So we were going through hell and high water in situations where I am to this day. I am still amazed that none of us ever got bit by a snake and none of us ever died because of snake bite. Because I can remember our times wrapping our hands around tobacco stalks and there'd be an eight foot rattlesnake wrapped under, sitting under a leaf, or we were walking through swamps in the dead of summer and never got bit by a moccasin. I, I'm amazed, but we had, and not to mention, and I'll talk just about you and I, when we were in high school, when I was in high school, you would have been in middle school, we would get up and go to school go and go to practice, go home. And as soon as we got home from practice, we had to get in uh, Earl Bacon or our Uncle James's truck to go catch chickens where we were making a dollar a thousand. And we would, you know, it's hard to no, catch no, no, chickens. No, 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 go back, go back to that. Because how much were we making? If you caught we a thousand chickens, how much a money dollar, did you We were making a dollar a thousand. So you, for every thousand chickens that were in that house, each individual got paid one dollar. So imagine working from 11 to two catching uh, uh, 14,000 chickens, you made $14. Or right. you 10,000 chickens, you made $10. Right. And so you get home at three and you had to clean yourself up, try to get as much sleep as you can because uh, seven o'clock and on the way to school was happening the next day. So, it, and like I said, as tough as it seems or sounds now, wasn't that bad back then because guess what? We, we got to be with our friends or our cousins. Right. Uh, we were making money. So it was a good deal for us. Well, the school was, was the easy part. It was the summer when you yeah. had to work in tobacco. And then yeah. you come home. Remember, we would come home. Not only did we play during the lunch break, we would eat, play basketball. Grand's like, boy, come in here. Y'all will have a heat stroke. And sure I'm is. like, hold on. <laughs> you say it's too hot to play basketball, but it's not too hot to work in the field. And so, we were in a long right. sleeve shirt. We were in a long sleeve shirt and blue jeans in the field. It wasn't like we were dressing cool. Right. We got a long sleeve shirt and blue jeans on dressing right. in that tobacco field. So yeah, it was those were were some definitely different times uh for us growing up. But I definitely believe it definitely helped shape how we were uh from the time we left Glenville until the time we got to television. I'm about to tell a story about how like we were working to the back of field and then we would play and then we had to get ready to get on that chicken truck that night. So we were working and I remember <laughs> I remember because you at uh, at the time I was making five bucks a day. You remember you remember when I told Granny I was making five bucks a day. Libby told much. Granny that she, hold on, let me tell you Libby, <laughs> Libby told Granny that Lanny and I, Lanny is our first cousin, that yeah. I, Granny and Shannon did was play. Uh -huh. What did Granny tell me? It's if he making five bucks a day, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. She said it was too much money, and, and I I agree because all you and Lanny were buying were diet cokes and honey buns anyway. Oh, okay. you 
<laughs> okay, let's tell the story. Let's tell the story. Mr. Joe, who was our boss at the time, Joe Tatum, he just passed yeah. recently. He set us up a, a line of credit at the at the convenience at store. a convenience store. Yeah, and so we could go in there and get anything we want on credit, knowing that Mr. Joe was going to bring us in there. We were going to cash our check and we can pay. So when Mr. Joe said he was going. Going to the going to the town, going to the store. <laughs> what would I always get? I was probably six or seven years old. Three hundred bars, <laughs> three hundred bars, and three coats, three sodas. I'm like, he couldn't get one and one. Mr. Joe, bring me three hundred bars and three Coca Colas. Every time he had to go, it was three and three. <laughs> it, it was it was three it was three and three. It but, was three and three. But do you remember also, Mr. Joe, he had, he had a farm and he had cattle and cattle eat hay. Somebody mm. had to bail that hay. Mr. Yeah. Joe had a big farm. He had yeah. pizza. He had watermelons. Uh, yeah. We had the uh, 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 broader seconder. He had yeah. okra. He had yeah. tomatoes. We That's had right. to pick up pecans for the dashers. That's correct. That's correct. We had a lot of jobs. And the thing was, is we would have done even more just to put money in our pockets to lessen the load on granny at the time she was the only breadwinner for the most part in the house or in living right and so we would have done anything to buy our own clothes or buy our own shoes buy our own basketball or ba um, basketball shoes football shoes track shoes we would have done just about any and everything all my life been grinding all my life sacrifice hustle paid the price Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.